Welcome back to AIR Informs and our podcast series about the different ways the coronavirus pandemic is impacting our lives and how we can handle the challenges it presents. Brought to you by the American Institutes for Research. I'm Dana Tofik. The science of learning and development is a broad area of research that looks at what conditions can bolster a student's chance for success in education and other aspects of life. In this area of work, there is clear evidence that a safe, supportive learning environment is crucial for students to thrive academically, socially, and emotionally. But the coronavirus outbreak has forced schools across the world to close their doors to support social distancing strategies. Millions of students are now learning from home, and in these circumstances, a safe, supportive learning environment may be more important than ever. But how can parents and guardians many of whom are busy working from home and taking care of others, make sure that happens. We are joined today by Dr. David Osher, a Vice President and Institute Fellow at AIR. He is one of the world's foremost experts on the science of learning and development and has conducted research in multiple areas around this science, including social and emotional learning, student engagement, violence prevention, and more. He has also helped schools and school systems around the world implement evidence-based strategies to improve student well-being, school climate, and academic outcomes. He joined us from his home in the Washington, D.C. area to discuss what parents need to know about creating a safe, supportive learning environment at home. David, there's a growing body of research about the science of learning and development that identifies social and emotional factors that are important to a student's success, whether they're learning at home or they're learning at school. What do we know from this emerging body of research? First of all, the key finding in the science of learning and development is that relationships, relationships with parents and family members, relationships with teachers drive learning. A second key finding is that for learning to take place, there are relationship-based social and emotional conditions for learning. And those conditions involve a number of buckets that are very important. One bucket is a number of different aspects of safety. A second bucket is how young people and learners receive and experience support. And the third big bucket is the ways in which young people feel engaged and can be engaged in the learning process. And at the same time, what we know from the science of learning and development is because relationships are so central, the presence and the way in which adults as supporters can be present is fundamental to learning. So let's unpack those three buckets you mentioned. When we talk about safety, we're really talking about more than just physical safety, right? Safety actually has, particularly in the current situation, five different components. One component is feeling physically safe. Um, In this case here, part of it for us as parents right now is making sure that young people feel that the germs are not coming in. But also, you may live in a house 
where there is a lot of conflict between people. And it's important for young people not to get caught up in the, those conflicts and, and not to feel unsafe because of those conflicts. Um, a second piece of safety is emotional safety. It's important for young people to feel that it's emotionally safe to learn. If they're worried about failing, if they're worried about disappointing parents, if they're worried about being embarrassed in an online community, all those things will work against learning. A third element of safety is psychological safety, which shares some characteristics with emotional safety, but it's particularly important for young people who at other points in their lives have experienced adversity and trauma in a way that makes them particularly sensitive to certain things that can really distress them. And you know your own children, and it's really important that you don't do things that will enhance, trigger or enhance their level of distress. A fourth piece of safety is one that involves young people's sense of identity. As young people develop and grow, they develop a sense of themselves both as a member of a family, but also in their own uniqueness. And when they're at school they're, and in the community, they're doing that in ways that are not just replicating what's happening in the home. Now your children are learning, but they're also learning about themselves when they're in that your household and you want to be able to continue to support their learning pro process about who they are and to make sure it is a, an affirming one. And one that helps them see themselves as a human being who's connected you know, to others in the family and in the world, as somebody who can do something about the world, and um, as somebody who can be a learner. There's a, another element is, is the ability to be creative, to think out of the box, what we call intellectual safety. Um, sometimes people experience it more at home, other times people experience it more at school. And it's important in your own household if you have very clear expectations of how young people think to be very aware of the fact that both every young person thinks in, in slightly different ways, but in addition that you want your child to feel that she or he can think creatively as they solve problems. All of those elements of safety are important in what happens in the household. They're also important when your child is on the internet and you should be sensitive to trying to support them depending on their age to make sure that they're not going to unsafe places and at the same time to be aware of the fact that things may happen on the internet that will cause them to feel unsafe, whether it's rumors about what's happening with the virus, whether or not it is internet bullying that can, or things that trigger responses that are unhelpful for your children. What role does support play in creating an environment that's conducive for learning at home? 
We can think about support in two ways. One thing that parents may think about is their job is the job of providing technical support to the children. And if you actually have the skills so that you can help your child learn something that she or he has to master, your ability to support them that way is very, very good. Or if you have the internet knowledge of where to go so that you can learn enough so you can support your child, that is also helpful. But even if you can't do those things, there are other important things that are really emotional support that are actually even keyer to the learning process. It's a feeling on the part of young people that somebody has their back if they try something and it doesn't succeed. It's emotional support when children are frustrated by the work because of the fact that it's hard in some areas and they're not necessarily getting the type of technical support that they need. Um, parents have a role of providing that support even when schools are in place. Now the schools are not in place and it's even more important that even if you can't provi cannot provide the technical support for your children, that you can be that emotional supporter who enables children to do the very, very tough work of learning um, um, and learning in at a time when they cannot necessarily get feedback quickly from their teachers. The third element or bucket that you mentioned was engagement. What do you mean by engagement in the context of students learning from home? Sometimes when we think about homework, Think about your own experience with homework. You think about homework as being something that is boring and tedious and you don't want to do it. Um, that's not the way young people learn most. They learn most when they want to learn. They learn most when the learning is interesting. They learn most when they see doing that work as being connected to the future they have. And it's important within the home, if you're supporting your children's learning, to try to do things that support their being actively engaged in the learning process. And also to support their sense that being engaged in the learning process is something that's important for them to do, not just in the moment, but for their future. So as a parent, when I hear you talk about this, it makes sense, but it seems really big. It's almost intimidating. What are some concrete steps that parents or guardians can take to address these conditions for learning at home? I know it'll sound simplistic, but the first step is to relax and remember that the most important thing you can do for your child is to support him or her in feeling okay as they do their work, that that is more important than making them do their work. So the first piece is just to relax. Um, the second piece is to know that one of the things that 
you have done from the first time you were a parent when you were successful is your ability to listen to, to focus on the needs of your children. Think about when they were very, very young and when they couldn't talk and you still needed to think about what do they want. That's what you need to be able to do as a teacher, as a, as a support. You're not a teacher. That's very important to know. That's what you need to do to be able to support your child as your child is learning. Um, at the same time, it's really important to under, be aware of the fact that there are lots of pressures on you. Your life was not easy before the virus. Your life was not easy before you may be living with people in a house or a room and you can't get out of it. But now it's more complicated. Um, tensions that you felt before and stresses that you felt before are now exacerbated. We know this from previous experiences um, with events like this for people. Um, but you're not alone. That's really important. It's to know that there are people in your network and your families who can help support you and at the same time you can support them as much as possible. Take time to think good thoughts. Take time to breathe. Um, um, where you can be aware of the fact that just responding to um, your child or other adults in your family in a reactive way may create a reaction on their part that will actually make you more tense and anger. So this is a time where counting to 10, as we often say, is probably even more important. This is a time when doing deep breathing to relax yourself or use whatever mantra or meditation or spiritual thoughts that you may use to calm yourself are things to do because the more you are able to be calm as a person, or at least calmer, the more you'll be able to sense the needs of your child, hear the needs of your child, and the more you respond to the needs of your child, the more likely it is that your child will not be doing things that will be provoking you. Is AIR doing any work in this particular area to help parents during this crisis? We are right now producing materials and resources that will be simple, clear, that will help parents know more about the steps they should take to take care of themselves and resources that can help them, um, what they can do to address their child's safety, including emotional safety, um, including, for example, the worries that your children are having as to whether or not they, they'll be able to succeed on online learning, whether or not what they're doing um, will help them graduate if their graduation was delayed, their worries about their future. Um, we will be producing materials to help you know more how you can provide support to your children emotionally, but also where you can get resources 
so that even if you do not have the particular type of skill that your child needs to address a problem that she or he's working on, you can find supports from others to do that. And we will produce materials regarding how you can support your child in being excited and engaged in his learning processes and what you can do to enhance that engagement. AIR will begin rolling out the resources Dr. Osher mentioned during the week of April 6th, and they will be tailored for different ages and grade levels. You'll be able to find them on our website, www.air.org. There, you can also learn more about Dr. Osher and his work, including a book he co-authored with two other AIR experts, Sandra Williamson and Deborah Maroney, who was a guest on our last podcast. The book, Creating Safe, Equitable, Engaging Schools, is available online and in some bookstores when they reopen. Thank you for listening to this episode of AIR Informs. You can learn more about our work on our website or by following us on social media. Until next time, be safe and take care.